This is episode 62 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are How to Assemble an EDC First Aid Kit and Where to Keep It, Serrated versus Straight Edge Knives, and How Pine Pollen Can Be Used as a Superfood. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, yesterday I talked about uh, an extension called Honey and um, about how it saves money and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I put out there, if anybody knows of uh, of another way to save money you know, online, uh, go ahead and, and come to, the, uh, to episode 61 and drop it in the comment section. And so Robert came by and dropped in. Um, it's actually an extension. It's also a website that uh, I, I forgot about, actually. It's called Camel, Camel, Camel. And you can go to it. Uh, I believe it's camelcamelcamel.com. It's a funny, it's a funny name, right? But uh, one that you'll remember, I guess. And uh, it's tied directly into Amazon. And what it'll do is it'll track... Um, It'll track certain prices, and so you might be looking at a specific item, and it'll track that price, and when it hits that price, it'll send you an email, and so you can connect it to email. You can also use it as a Chromebook extension, uh, I think he said here, and uh, so he said that's, that has saved him a lot of money. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and look into it, because I had looked into it uh, a while back. I just never really did anything with it. It's been a while. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for something specific on Amazon and you're willing to wait for it, like kind of like what we talked about a little bit last night or yesterday, um, you can easily, uh, you know, set this up and get an email notification uh, when that price uh, gets set. And so you can save a lot of money that way. So I'm going to link to that in the in episode 62 show notes. And so you can go straight there and check it out or go straight to camelcamelcamel.com. All right, so the first article is coming to us from survivalsullivan.com. This article is how to assemble an EDC first aid kit and where to keep it. So let's go ahead and start on this one. The I-85 bridge in Atlanta, Georgia, a major highway for both commuters and vacationers, collapsed last week due to a fire that allegedly started in a shopping cart beneath the bridge. The fire that resulted led to the collapse of one part of the bridge and damage to several other sections. I personally have family members in Atlanta who crossed over that bridge about a half hour prior to its collapse. No one could have predicted that fire or the bridge collapse that followed. Thankfully, no injuries were reported due to the bridge collapse, but traffic was jammed for hours, something many people weren't expecting. I can recall last winter those same family members in Atlanta being stuck for hours on the interstate due to a freak snowstorm. They were literally within just a couple miles of home, but simply stranded with hundreds of others in their cars, unable to move until help arrived. In fact, the reconstruction and repairs to the I-85 bridge may result in unexpected traffic jams and major delays over the next several months as families travel for spring and summer vacations. If you're like most people, it may be difficult for you to know where to even begin when it comes to being prepared for a crisis or SHTF event. Many people start with a bug out bag or a bob, which is a bag designed to carry all the supplies you will need to survive if you and your family were forced to leave your home for a period of 24 hours, or 24 to 72 hours. 
A 72-hour bob is a necessity on your list of SHTF preparations. But what about emergencies like the two I've described? And those little illnesses or injuries that happen without warning or any notice at home, work, or while on vacation. Have you ever, have you ever had something go wrong just during a routine day at work? Perhaps you smashed your finger with a hammer or were the, the closest person to a coworker stung by a bee. We want to be ready for anything at any time, but we can't possibly predict when medical issues will arise. Plus, it's just not practical for anyone to carry a 15 or 20 pound bag of supplies around with them constantly just in case something happens. So how can you be more prepared for whatever life may throw at you no matter when it occurs? One of the first goals on your list as a prepper should involve your everyday carry or EDC kit. This is the kit that you carry when you or your person, you on your person wherever you go, whether you are at home, at work, or on vacation with the family. It's the items that you have with you and can rely on until you can safely get to your bug out bag or more comprehensive kit that you keep stored safely away. Most people, even though those who aren't yet consciously preparing, have items that aren't never out of reach, such as keys, a wallet or purse, and a cell phone. An EDC kit simply expands on these items that you carry every day and includes additional items that would come in handy in an emergency such as a pocket knife, personal defense weapon, some change, some change or cash, etc. For more information, or for, sorry, for more items to consider for your full EDC kit, check out our mega list of EDC items. As part of your kit, always include a variety of first aid items for medical issues that may arise. For this article, we are going to focus on just the EDC first aid kit and where to store it so that it will easily be in reach when life's little medical emergencies reach their head. Step 1. What can go wrong? To figure out what medical items we need to carry, let's first take a moment to really think about all the different types of medical things that could go wrong, not just during a bug out or survival situation, but on an everyday basis. If you spend some time reflecting on the medical illnesses and injuries you've experienced in the past, you can quickly come up with a long list of things that can happen without much warning, such as cuts and scrapes, splinters, burns, skin irritations, puncture wounds, bug bites, allergies, sunburn, dehydration, hypothermia, infection, fever, upset stomach, hangnail or broken fingernail, sprained or broken ankle, sunburn, sun poisoning or heat stroke, heart attack, diabetic imbalance, high or low glucose, inflammation or muscle soreness, rehydration or uh, electrolytes, bee stings and trauma injuries. Now you may be looking at this list and thinking, how can I possibly carry enough stuff with me at all times to be prepared for all that? And of course, there is absolutely no way that one person can be prepared for every single illness, injury or emergency with just a small number of items. So step two, what will you need? But if you think strategically about your kit and where to store it, there are ways that you can be prepared for a wide variety of things without having to lug a huge first aid kit with you at all times. When you look back over the list we made of things that can go wrong above, you'll see that there are some obvious categories when it comes to treating those injuries and illnesses. Pain, infection, or fever. There are some categories that almost everyone will deal with at some point in their life. Whether it's a headache, a twisted ankle, or something more serious, you'll want to have at least a couple of doses of pain-relieving medication on hand. Even minor cuts and scrapes can get infected, and if you or your family member is running a high fever, it can certainly throw a wrench in your day. 
A fever or infection during a bug out trip can be disastrous if not treated. It's a good idea to carry triple antibiotic cream as well as a thermometer and fever reducing medication. Allergic reactions and skin irritations. Most people have had at least some experience with allergic reactions, but every person is different. And allergy reactions can range from very mild hives to a life-threatening breathing problem. Even if you know you have an allergy, it's not always possible to avoid allergy triggers. Make sure you include the medication you need to both treat and stop any allergic reaction. Antihistamine medications and hydrocortisone creams are standard treatments for mild reactions. If you have a known life-threatening allergy, you'll want to include an EpiPen as well. Be sure to consider treatments for other minor skin irritations such as bug bites, sunburns, and blisters. You may want to carry single-use packets of calamine lotion, aloe vera gel, or a moleskin or cushion bandage as well as band-aids in various sizes which can greatly reduce discomfort until you get home. Trauma or shock. If emergency and transportation workers have not been able to clear the bridge in Atlanta prior to its collapse, there could have been hundreds of people hurt unexpectedly. An event of this magnitude can result if not, if, in not only minor injuries, but also some more serious injuries, such as broken bones and severe bleeding or dizziness from a crash or fall, possibly some heart attacks or burns, and the resulting trauma and shock that comes with these injuries. When there are widespread events that cause injury to multiple people, professional help may be delayed. This is why it's important to include things such as tourniquets, compression, or butterfly bandages, splint materials, burn cream, gauze, etc. Gastrointestinal problems. We all had days when our stomach and the intestinal system doesn't work quite as well as it should for whatever reason. If you experience frequent bouts of gastrointestinal issues, it should include medications to treat things in this category, including anti-diarrhea, laxative, peptobismol, anti-nausea medication, and antacids. Situational or occupational issues. Sometimes your location or occupation may dictate what you need to carry in your EDC first aid kit. If you are hiking for days in the wilderness or kayaking, you may want to take along a CPR mask and an emergency mylar blanket in case of water accident. For a ski trip, you may want to include items to treat hypothermia and frostbite. Those who work in an office environment may need to treat minor burns, cuts, scrapes, headaches, or fevers, whereas a construction worker may want to carry items to temporarily treat trauma wounds such as bleeding and bruising that can occur from a fall or power tool or heavy equipment accident. Park rangers and police officers may need to be prepared to temporarily treat things such as gunshot wounds, hypothermia, dehydration, or car accident injuries. Factory workers may be more likely to need a temporary treat may need to temporarily treat injuries such as lacerations, burns, trauma, wounds, or chemical burns. Step three, where to keep it. Once you've narrowed down the items that you need to carry in your EDC first aid kit, the next step is to gather it all together and store it so that you have quick and easy access to it when needed. There are a ton of different types of containers you can use for your EDC first aid kit. When choosing a container for your EDC first aid kit, consider what you need to keep in it and how frequently you will need to access it. You may want to put together several different first aid kits geared toward different activities that you regularly do. There is no right way or wrong wrong to assemble your EDC first aid kit. You can choose to keep everything together in one small canister or container, or you can divide the item up and carry them in different places. 
You can keep several Band-Aids in your wallet, use a small film canister to store individual doses of pain relief and other pills. You may want to keep a CPR mask, latex gloves, and scissors in your desk at work or the glove compartment of your car. And acids and Pepto-Bismol make sense in a lunchbox or toolbox. Here are just some of the places you can keep your items. A wallet or purse, pockets, briefcase or laptop bag, desk drawer at work, glove compartment in your car, center console in your car, your get-home bag, weight, waist or fanny pouch, and lunchbox or toolbox. The major consideration for assembling this type of first aid and where to store it are its lightweight, accessible when needed, durable, waterproof, water-resistant, and flexible enough to meet as many medical needs as possible for the locations or scenarios that occur most frequently for you. Do you currently have an EDC first aid kit? If so, review its contents and consider the things mentioned above. Can you add any items that will increase the odds that you are prepared to handle life's little emergencies as well as any serious injuries that could occur? If you don't already have such a kit, now is a good time as any to get one assembled so that you can be more ready the next time something happens. Did we miss something on our list that we think should be included? Share your ideas in the comments below. All right, so uh, I do want to say, uh, so I do have a lot of commentary on this one. Well, maybe not a lot, but I could have been breaking in through this whole uh, this whole article. I just wonder if it would be more valuable to you if I did break in during the article or just kind of saved it. So I'm just curious about that. Um, anyway, um, a couple of different things. Um, I do have one of the big bags from uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy from doomandbloom.net. Uh, I'm going to link to their store uh, on, on episode 62 so that you can go check it out. I do have one of their very, very big, I mean, it's, I think it's a 511 tactical uh, like bug out bag type thing, and it has the whole kitchen sink in there. So we had a, a friend who was a nurse and I brought that out for him and opened it up and it was, I mean, it was the, he was like, wow, I can't believe all the, all the medical supplies that are in, in there. So it, it is, um, you know, it, it's a little bit more expensive. You're going to pay for it. But um, knowing D nurse Amy and then talking with her about all the different kits that she has, she doesn't skimp on anything. Uh, she doesn't even skimp on, like I said, the the actual bag itself is like a 511 bag. So it's going to, uh, you know, it's it's hardcore. It's going to last. It's not a cheap Chinese thing that's going to uh, unravel on you the first time out. So, you know, all her items are very top quality. They are uh, professional. You know, there's people that are out there uh, making some of these on a, on a big scale that uh, that don't really have any uh, professional medical knowledge. You know that Dr. Bones and their same do. So anyway, I'm going to link to their store. You can go check that out. They have the really, really big one. They have some smaller ones. Now, I created a smaller one in a little... It's, I don't know really what to call it. It's like, a, I almost want to say like an attache case or something like that. I mean, it's it's got that olive green, uh, you know, army olive green, uh, you know, look to it. And it has that canvas feel to it. But it, it is it is a medical bag, and so uh, I mean I purchased that one off of Amazon, and I made my own. I kind of put it together uh, and what I wanted in there. So I used that one. Uh, the first couple of times we went up to the country, I would take the big one, and then after the first couple of times, we never really used it. So I started taking the smaller one. And when I say small, I mean it's still the size of a of a decent backpack, right? So um, it does carry a whole lot of. Uh, uh, 
you know, medical supplies in there. So I take that one all the time we go up to the country. Even if we're going to go up there for a day trip, I try to take that one, put it in the in the, the vehicle and just kind of stash it in there. When we take trips, when we take day trips, um, or when we go out of town or whatever it might be, I take that one with me as well. Um, that's one that I'm going to keep in the car. The other thing that I do is, um, I guess, probably the... The EDC that I uh, use the most out of everything that I use is going to be something that I call my boo-boo kit. Uh, and I, I didn't come up with that. Somebody else did. But I made a little uh, medical or EDC boo-boo kit uh, out of an Altoids tin. And let me tell you, I use that sucker more than anything. Uh, and really, when you when you think about it, because I am, you know, I'm, I don't work outside and very, very, you know, Apropos to what this uh, article was talking about, um, you know, where you are and what you do is going to de- depend on what you carry inside of there. So I have a, have had a couple of these. Um, I need to make a couple more. Um, but uh, what I have used in uh, off of this is mainly stuff like the allergy medicine, so the antihistamines or you know the the nasal nasal congestion like Sudafed, and I have those small little Ziploc bags. I mean, um, and so I, it's very hard to to maybe like a two by three, so not like a sandwich bag, but one of those small ones. And I think I bought them. Uh, I don't believe I bought them off of Amazon. I think I bought them in at Walmart in the craft section. And, uh, you know, kind of where they sell beads and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they sell a couple of different size of, of Ziploc bags. And so I've got some of these. And so I have uh, one with Sudafed, one with regular, you know, like Motrim, ibuprofen in there. And then another one with Benadryl. And I just kind of roll them up. And they uh, they roll up really, really nice and tight. And they fit in that Altoids can or tin really, really nicely. The other thing that I use a whole, actually, I don't use it. I kind of like help other people with it uh, I have three very small small uh, vials of um, essential oils in there so one is lavender and then I have tea tree and then I have uh, an allergy blend that spark natural cells and I use that allergy blend more than anything else I mean people use that allergy you know they I, I see them suffering with allergies or not feeling well I give them a little bit of that and they're like sold on it, right? Um, and so I I carry those three in there very, very easily. Other things that I carry in there like Band-Aids and, um, you know, things for little wipes for bites and stings and from insects and things like that. A little patch of moleskin if I'm ever wearing some new shoes that maybe start to, w- to rub. Um, other little things like uh, um, not floss, but a floss stick in there if I ever have you know some something that I can't get out of my uh, teeth in between my teeth and so that really that really has worked well for me that EDC and, and for a long long time I carried all that other EDC stuff and actually I'm in the I'm in the process of coming up with another one that I, I do want to uh, carry with me and you know I carry a backpack to work and and so I, it's very easy for me to have a small one in there but uh, I'm working on a small EDC kit with some other things in there, the, your typical survival stuff. But I'm telling you, that little boo-boo kit is the one that I use the most, right? Uh, and uh, so I use that one. I kind of wanted to share that. Uh, you don't have to have the big. Um, you don't have to have the big first aid kit. Um, just putting together some things like that are very, very beneficial. Um, 
recently, and I think, you know, he was talking about your vehicles and stuff like that. I think every vehicle should have a first aid kit. I think you should go in, you know, uh, we have really lucked out in the past, like places like uh, Sam's. There was this, at one point, they sold this big first aid kit that had a lot of stuff in it for 20 bucks. Uh, I think we bought a couple and then we went back to go. It was such a great deal. We went back to go buy more, and they were already they're gone, and they didn't have that same price on there. So be on the lookout for places like that. When you see those little first aid kits that are already kind of put together, some of them are, are pretty robust. And so you want to put one of those in every car. Um, just recently, we did a we have a we do a missions uh, dinner. Uh, like the fifth Wednesday of every month, we go out and we serve the homeless uh, here in the Houston area. And um, one of, um, or actually is my, uh, we partner with another church, and the pastor's wife got stung by something. We don't know what it was, but she started to, it started to puff up on, on her. And, uh, you know, I knew that we had, nobody else had anything for it, um, and we weren't completely ready to go. And so I remember that we had that, first aid kit in there and it's the first time we ever broke it open uh, but we broke it open it was under my wife's you know uh, under one of the seats in, in her vehicle we broke it open and we're able to help her out you know it's like here's a pack for stings and here's another one for the ride home uh, do you need any pain medicine you know we have that as well and so it just you never know when you're going to need it so i i would say always put one of those underneath your seat i think it's always it's always great uh, Doom and Bloom always and uh, also sells that individual first aid kit. Uh, so, like I said, I'm going to link to them. And another website that sells the individual first aid kit is uh, Mark Goodwin over at Prepper Recon. One of my friends over there, uh, or my friend over there at Prepper Recon, uh, he uh, puts together his own individual first aid kits and he sells them. Um, I have one of them. It's really, it's it's a really nice one, and that's more like all along the line of if you're going to, uh, you know, if you're a concealed carry or whatever, you want to have one close to you if you know there's a gunshot or whatever. And he talks about those in his books, in his fictional books, and so it was just a a really, you know easy extension to kind of go from from his books to hey this is what i've been talking about in my books here here it is and here is all the things that i've been talking about in my books because he does a really good job in his books about not only talking weaving a good story but also talking about you know sort of a lot of survival aspects and a lot of the times um, the people that are out there they're you know whatever they have individual first aid kits and so you want to go check his out as well. I'm going to link to that one on episode 62. So I'm linking to a lot of stuff already uh, there for you. And I think I'll go ahead and link to my boo-boo kit just so that you can kind of see it and see what's in there. I think I listed all the things that are um, in there like burn gel and insect bite, you know, wipes and all kinds of different things. Just regular alcohol or pads, you know, to wipe your hands or whatever. But anyway, so um, link to all that good stuff there. And uh, if you don't have uh, a little medical EDC kit, I really suggest you do it. That should be one of those projects 
that you you know you start kind of going to the dollar store and gathering you know the items that you think you're going to need and putting it together and uh, you know having it ready. And again, those Altoid Altoid tins work great for that. If you're not looking for you know really really big things, a uh, really big kit, um, you know you can put band aids in there. Like I said, I, I've put tons of stuff in there. Uh, I think I have the picture on um, on that. Article. It's been a long time since I've looked at it, at that article, but I'm going to go ahead and link to it. Okay, I've been talking a lot about that. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, this comes to us from Dave's Homestead. The next one, uh, and the uh, the website address is actually tngun.net or .com. I'm sorry, tngun.com, and this is Dave's Homestead. Uh, Dave has some. Dave Nash has some really great uh, articles, you know, uh, out there, and uh, some really good insight. So let's talk a little bit about serrated versus straight edge knives. That's the title of his article, and uh, you don't always hear too too much about it. But um, I, I know that I have come across articles um, about this in the past, but not as often as you would think. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about this. I've heard many arguments in regard to the serrated versus straight edge knife dilemma. The truth is, is that there are pros and cons of both types of knife edges, and the choice of which type is better largely depends on the function you expect it to serve and the situation you will be using it for. For slicing, I would recommend a serrated edge, but for push cutting, you should choose a knife with a straight edge. The benefits of straight edge knives are many. They are extremely sharp and pointed, which allows for better control and precision when using them. This type of knife is great for push cuts, such as cutting potatoes, chopping wood, shaving, and other cutting tasks. Plain edge knives are also much easier to sharpen as compared to serrated ones. The main problem with this type of knife is that it can slip and fly off the object you are attempting to cut or slice. Also, if the edge is too short, you can't use it for deep cutting. Even though they are easier to sharpen than the serrated blades, very sharp straight knives tend to get duller faster than knives with serrated edges. As for the knife with serrated edges, they are great for slicing things such as ropes, bread, tomato, and other tomatoes and others. Its contact area is smaller than that of the straight edge knife, which is another benefit, so there is a minimum resistance from the material which you are cutting. This makes this type of blade perfect for cutting hard and tough items and materials such as plastic and wood. Also, it is a great choice for cutting in situations when you can't achieve a stable grip of, of the object you are getting. The geometric design of serrated blades allows you to use lateral movements instead of just friction when cutting. Um, okay, so I'll stop right here and just talk a little bit about this one. Um, I know that Dave is talking about the push knife, right? Um, I, I remember, I'm remembering, though, uh, a video that Furfall did from uh, Fernando Aguirre from uh, the Modern Survivalist uh, talked about one of the knives that he recommended was the Vaquero, which is uh, um, this this knife is just a humongous knife. I, I, actually, it's the Vaquero XL, um, and I don't need, I don't. Need, the last time I looked, I couldn't find it. I did find it once on Woot W O O T dot com. Um, that's a site where they just have deals every once in a while, and sometimes there really aren't deals. Um, you know, it's not really a good deal. It just says it's a good deal, but sometimes you do find good deals on there. And uh, I did find it on that one, and I ordered it. My son fell in love with it and wanted it. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not taking this one. But he talked about 
when you're in a self-defense situation and uh you know like something like he something that he always was looking into in Argentina is you know a serrated knife will do a lot of damage it won't just push in but it will cut and slice you know uh somebody's you, you know into somebody's uh flesh and cause a lot of damage if you're in a real self-defense situation um uh, I think the vaquero that I'm talking about, the extra large, it would be, uh, it's illegal. I mean, I think it's bigger than you're allowed to carry, at least here in, in Houston or Texas. But uh, maybe you ought to look into, actually, I'll, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find, um, find it, see if it is on Amazon. I'll link to it uh, because it's such an awesome knife. But um, it was one that was serrated in uh I thought that was it was it was just uh, such a cool knife, but I always remember him talking about that in a self defense situation where you want to do maximum damage. All right, so uh, the last uh, knife that he's going to talk about, Dave's going to talk about, is partially serrated knives. So there's, there's actually an option to choose a hybrid knife, which incorporates the best of straight edges and serrated edge knives. This type of hybrid knife with a straight edge on the top and serrations at the bottom is a multifunctional knife, which is a perfect choice for survival purposes. Choose a hybrid knife with small serrations located in the right place, and you will get a knife with excellent functionality and great speed when inflicting cuts. Choose the edge depending upon the intended use. Self-defense. If you are looking for a knife for survival and or self-defense, then you should get a straight edge type. Serrated edges can get caught to the fibers you are cutting, and this can limit the depth of the penetration of your cut. So again, um, I know Fernando, Fernando Aguirre was talking something differently here uh, in, when it comes to the self-defense. You're going to have to kind of figure that out for yourself, just like so many things in preparedness. Um, you know, there's so many opinions out there. You're going to have to kind of figure it out for yourself. Um, so you get all the information you can and then make the best decision. For utility, if you're looking for a good utility knife, then one with a serrated edge is probably the better choice because they are better for slicing soft fruits, vegetables, and other foodstuffs. The final thought, the problem with serrated knife is that they are tricky to sharpen and it is difficult to make very smooth and controlled cuts with a blade like that. Make sure that the serrations are not too large because they will likely tend to get caught up in the material you are cutting. If you choose to use a straight edge knife for utility purposes, you need to make sure that it is sharp enough at all times for a better performance as well as for safety purposes. All right, good, uh, good article here. Hey, I'm wondering if you're, you know, the majority of people that are listening to this podcast, uh, what you prefer. I mean, do you prefer serrated knives? Do you prefer uh, straight edge or do you prefer a hybrid? Uh, out there you know if you want to weigh in on that conversation come over to episode 62 and drop us a, a line in the comment section i will uh i'll share that tomorrow in the podcast or later this week if you get to it later this week all right so let's go ahead and go to our last article and uh well let me say this before i move on all the articles that i've been reading tonight or today have a uh have links that you're going to want to come and uh, click on and check out and it's going to be the very same for this next article, which is called How, How Pine Pollen Can Be Used as a Superfood. Again, How Pine Pollen Can Be Used as a Superfood. Uh, this is coming to us from ReadyNutrition.com. And um, I'm going to go ahead and read this one. Uh, this is a very interesting one if you've never heard this one before. 
Ready Nutrition guys and gals, this piece is designed to make you aware of the many benefits of pine pollen. That's right, it's a superfood that can be put to many uses and we're actually going coming up on the time that it can be harvested in the wild. Raw pine pollen is good for a lot of different things, especially exercise and physical training. Let's outline some of the qualities of it and cite some references for your perusal. Pine pollen is a powerhouse of nutrients. Pine pollen is technically the male sperm cell of the pine tree and is analogous to a plant-formulated testosterone. Don't smirk, ladies. In this form, it is very beneficial for you as well. Studies prove that low testosterone levels in both genders, yes, women also have a minute quantity of it in their bodies, cause cholesterol levels, the bad form of it, to increase. Low levels also cause losses of bone and tissue that translate into aging prematurely and also significant weight gain or fat, sexual problems, and cardiovascular problems. With men, in particular, low testosterone levels lead to a higher probability of cancer. Pine pollen can fight all of these, all of these with its components of phytoandrogens, which are the sexual hormones found in human beings but produced in plants. This is really neat stuff because the pine pollen gives you androstenedione, testosterone, DHEA, and androsterone. Sift through the archives and you'll find some articles I wrote on DHEA and testosterone that go into detail. And those are some, uh, some words there. Alright, some of the ailments that raw pine pollen can fight off are high cholesterol, chronic fatigue, and diabetes. These conditions have been dramatically improved by the regular additions of pine pollen to the diet. Although these phytoandrogens are almost identical to the ones produced by the human body, there is still a slight difference and this is beneficial. The difference enables the body to continue producing its normal levels of the androgens without being affected by the addition of the pine pollen. It can be taken in the form of powder or tincture and with each case mixed with a beverage. The tincture is the more easily consumed out of the two forms. Here are a few websites to help you in your quest to further information. So there's a couple of websites here. There's three of them that you can link to and go get some more information. And then there's a video where a guy is actually harvesting the, the wild pine pollen. I wish he would have. Uh, I wish he would have given us a, a closer look at it. But uh, you have those other websites there that you can go look at. But this, uh, this video is about five minutes long. The pine pollen is also made up of about 35% protein and contains 7 essential amino acids. To refresh your memory from the articles I have written previously, essential amino acids are those necessary to the body that are not produced within the body. We must obtain them from food. Here they are with the 7 essential being underlined. Okay, I am going to spare you reading the 14 or 15 uh, essential or amino acids that are here uh, because I would just butcher every single one of them because they're all, um, you know, they're all medical sounding or, you know, whatever terms. And um, I'll just, I'll do a bad job. So uh, I'm going to let you link to them and or let you link to the article and come check, the, check it out yourself. All right, so let's finish this out. The recommended amount to consume is half to one teaspoon per day. Pine pollen is also chock full of vitamins and minerals as well as acids and a ton of substances that normally we buy in bunches such as resveratrol, 
trawl, and MSM. These substances are all right there in the pine pollen. I have seen many places in order to order it online, and your finer health food stores will, at the bare minimum, be able to order it for you. As with all things, consult with your physician prior to using any of the information or materials mentioned in this article. JJ out. So this article was written by Jeremiah Johnson. All right. So uh, to be honest with you, I have never heard of pine pollen before. So I think this is this might be the first article that I had uh, linked to and uh, never really had gotten into it. But there's just so many things out there in nature um, that you can harvest and things that we, we just don't realize that are out there that you can uh, harvest and, and really gather so much health benefit from. Um, if you're in a, uh, a situation or you know an area where you have tons of pine trees, this is something you probably want to go look at and uh, and uh, you know research a little bit more because you might have uh, tons of pine trees around you and the ability to harvest uh, this pine pollen and use it uh, now or use it you know whenever you get to a situation where things are, are rough and you, you need to add some extra. Uh, protein and amino acids to your to your diet all right so there we go on episode 62 all right well guys um, that's going to be it if you get a chance come by the website say hi hit me up on Facebook Instagram or Twitter uh, I'm going to try to find that uh, now that I keep thinking about that vaquero that knife I'm going to try to find find it online for you and link to it uh, so you can get a nice picture of it. I might try to get a nice picture of it and put it up on Instagram sometime this week uh, and just kind of show it off a little bit. Uh, I really haven't seen one on Instagram lately, so maybe I just haven't been looking so hard. All right, so uh, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.